0: Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger 2 Podcast, once again joined by my friend Jakub. As you know, these weeks are extremely busy when it comes to Challenger Tour Action, five events to recap, four to preview. So let's just go right in.
1: Yeah, let's start in Helsinki, the biggest event we had this week and a surprise winner we have to say, I think, Leon, Leonardo Riedi. I think Tomasz Machac. Oh, sorry, Leandro. Yeah, I wrote, the, I wrote on the... The name wrong. Leandro Riedi defeating Tomasz Mahach 6 3 6 1 for his first challenger title. He started out of qualifying with wins over Lyle and Kazo. In the main draw, he he defeated uh, Mbeki Pericard, Martel, Kuzmanov, Cells, and then just destroyed Mahach in the final. He gets to break the top 200, moving up 80 spots. So he will make his um, slam qualies debut at the Australian Open, presumably, if he goes. What did you think of Riedi this week?
0: Yeah, I mean, what a performance all around! Uh, as he said, a couple of tough matches in the qualifiers, but then, basically, not counting cells, he was destroying everyone in the main draw. Um, we've seen him make a final at Lugano. Of course, he's the he's a former runner-up at uh, Ron Garros Juniors, uh, but still, this was a bit, um, you know, this was a bit unannounced, was a bit out of out of the blue because the summer wasn't great for him. Uh, it's still a bit of a concern that, well, he's only been able to do it indoors. But, of course, with that sort of, you know, I, I have I had this this take during this week, which um, it doesn't really make sense. But Leandro Riedi is a bit like Caroline Garcia. <laughs> but, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You know, they return from a similar position, that's for sure. Um, and I, I think the playstyle is like similar enough. Um mm-hmm. of course I'm not really predicting that Landro will achieve the same as Garcia, but you know, it, it makes sense that with um you know his track of progress with for a guy who has all the weapons, pretty much no control over his game, it makes sense that it's been a little slower since the junior days. But yeah, top two hundred now which is totally wild because I never would have thought that he was close enough yeah like he was one title away from the top 200 but th- that's what it is actually and very excited to see how he does in australia and but yeah it, it, it is a bit of a concern that so far he's only really been that successful indoors uh, in the in, in pro tennis also played Indoors, like I don't know, sixty percent of his matches. Uh, so definitely, I would love to see how he's gonna do it any in any other conditions. He's also in Andrea next week and playing Gaston in the opening round. Maybe he keeps this going.
1: Yeah, that's definitely an exciting matchup uh, going forward. Yeah, his his record is interesting because he did have that amazing run to the Lugano final. Some of the wins looking back: Cressy Westler. Hair Bear and what was the setup on Nardi there in the final, Uh, but outside of that, yeah, it's it's, (laughs) like when he he was in America, it was certainly more of a struggle for him, Uh, you know, you you see these losses uh, to like Diablo, well, I mean, they're they're not bad losses, actually. they're good losses,
0: yeah, they're actually very solid losses,
1: Popko is a bad loss in Mallorca, yeah, but yeah, definitely excited to see what the future holds for Riedi. This was a very impressive uh, display in the final for sure, and the week overall. Speaking of the final, though, we also had Tomas Machac in the final, playing for top one hundred debut once again, uh, and he couldn't get there. He I was so certain I was getting a point this week. He was destroying everybody. He started with Kachmazov seven six six four, but then Vitamin six four six two, Bergs, six one six two. 6 six one six two, and to head into the final and win four games against Riedi is insane to me. What do you think happened to Mahaj here?
0: Yeah, I was totally sure we were going to get a point as well. The only reason why I didn't pick Mahac was because I thought Virtanen was going to beat him in the second round. That was a. I don't think that was that uh, that that much was uh, this excellent from Mahaj. I think Virtanen also had a hand in how this looked. Uh, but against Bergs and Hanfman, Mahaj just seemed unplayable, like uh, unbeatable. Uh, he was, uh, you know, the, these courts in Helsinki are very fast. He was just taking time away so well, uh, getting to everything, just making life a nightmare for both Zizu and Hanfman. Yeah, it seemed like it, there's, it's just impossible that he would lose to Riadi. Of course, Riadi came out with like the match of his life, just blasting winners from. Every, anywhere on the court uh extremely impressive but at the same time uh there was definitely some tightness visible I think this was the first time that Mahaj actually got to play a match for the top 100 like th- it was always a couple of of wins away um okay. but, but but yeah he here he just um I'm not saying he would have beaten Riedi if he brought the same level as in the previous matches, because as I said, Riyadi was just insane in that final. But he would have at least like asked the question. And Riedi in in his semi against Cels, he was actually 6-3, 6-5 up, uh, serving. And up until that point, Riyadi hadn't hadn't even lost his serve in the main draw in Helsinki. And then... You know, he was even down a break in the decider, like it got very complicated. So I I, I kept thinking that if Mahat can keep the second set close, you don't really know what's going to happen. You know, Riyadi is a 20 year old trying to win his first challenger title, but Mahat just didn't pose a question at all. He just faded away mentally. Yeah, very disappointing, very disappointing for you. <laughs> That's for sure, because I also believe that this was like for sure a point for you. Well, Mahat still has Andrea, but... Um, yeah, he certainly shot himself in the foot here because, well, in Andrea, he would need, you know, the, the, the points are, is, is he's not going to gain 30 points for a win. So uh, at least not for the first win. So he's going to have to actually win a few matches now.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in theory, as I'm looking at it, he is six points away, but I've actually not looked at how it drops off for next week for other players. But yeah, so in theory, I, I think a quarterfinal would secure it for him. Um if I'm looking at this right with who's playing behind him. Yeah. No one's uh, yeah, really he,
0: dropping he, points next week from what I can see. Like there's there's uh for sure there's Kotov who's dropping for Lee in like two weeks, but next week it doesn't seem like anyone around him is dropping points. Mo is dropping twenty five points, but he's lower than Mahach. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, he he could seal it with just the second round by by one point uh, to get to 99. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what he produces next week because this looked very nervy from him, for sure. As far as semifinalists, we can talk about Janik Harfman, uh, who didn't get any standout wins this week. He beat Andukar, Peniston and Kukushkin, but was solid throughout. Uh, never went to a set past 6-4 in those wins. Uh, and then, obviously, got swept by... Ben uh for half his third semifinal in 2022. One of them was then ATP one in Gizbio. What do you make of his run here?
0: Yeah, this is sort of what we were talking about uh, when we came back from Bratislava, that if he wasn't in the, you know, in that same section of the draw with Futovic, he potentially could have gone far and this is exactly what he did as, as you said just not no no real standout wins but just a solid level through the first three matches and run into one of these unbeatable match performances that there were like two or three this week so yeah just i don't know if unlucky this time i don't think we can call him unlucky because it was the semi-finals already yep. obviously you're gonna get someone who's playing well
1: yeah, I, I think you can be very satisfied with with this week. Our other semifinalist was Yela Cells, um, who beat Kopshiva in three sets, Brancaccio coming back from a set down, Andrea in straight sets to reach his fifth Challenger semifinal of the season. What did you think of Cells?
0: Yeah, certainly made a bit of a mess of the matches against Kopshiva and Brancaccio, but. You know, I don't think it's quite the LSLs that we saw in on la Captive, which I think seemed to be like the the peak of his play. Maybe maybe Toulon, that's that's probably debatable. Uh but you know the whole thing, <laughs> just looking at how he's been doing from September onwards, uh, it just paints a, a pretty beautiful picture, right? I mean, where if you if he if if we if you told him like at the beginning of the year that he was going to reach the semifinals in Helsinki, he'd definitely be super happy about it. And yeah, just just a bit of a, um, a shame for him that he didn't convert that um, that lead in the deciding set that he had against Riedi. Uh, but um, he was playing that, that much very well, like just um, showing how, well, basically he knew at which moments he needs to make Riedi play. And it was it was succeeding up until the, the middle of the third set. But I wonder, you know, how the final would have looked if if Cels played Mahaj. Cels definitely doesn't have, um, you know, his game isn't as imposing... Uh, he wouldn't really like, just throw everything at Mahaj from the very first game, so maybe that would have been actually much easier for Mahaj as well. But that's definitely a, a pretty good run for Cells, something that he really hasn't been doing his whole career. But even not playing as well as he as he was a month or two ago, he's still able to make Challenger semifinals now, and you know, get slightly closer to the top 100. <laughs> it's still like yeah, 100. I mean, he... 120, 130 points. Yeah.
1: 129 right now. Um, and he, he does have to defend uh as you said. But in the first quarter uh of next season, all he really has to defend is like Turin semifinals, I think, although he hit a lot of early exits, exits in qualifying and stuff. So he he potentially could make a push in the first three months to to get close to the top one hundred debut next season uh in the doubles we had and sharan lifted the title their second title of the season beating stauder and city their first tournament together we can move over to Drummondville, where you got yourself a point with vashek pospicio beating michael mo seven six 4 11th challenger title second one this season he beat draxel blanche mayo all in straight sets Defeated Escoffier in three sets before beating uh, Mo. Uh, he moves up 15 spots, number 100 in the rankings. His return to the top 100 for the first time since October 2021. What did you think of Post this week?
0: Uh, i happy with my reasoning picking him, because I remember saying that, you know, Kepfer was probably going to withdraw. Uh, and actually, I, I didn't even realize how far Drummondville and Calgary are. Like, it's like 4,000 kilometers or something like that. Oh, And that makes, I I don't think there's enough of a reason to talk about Max Kaśnikowski this week, but we talked about him last week. And apparently he was playing that match against, I mean, he was playing that semi against Vukic. Then that same, that was on Saturday, right? And that same day he had to fly and then play the next morning. And it was like a crazy uh, in a jet, even jet lag actually between Calgary and Drummondville. It seems like it should be like a can- Canadian swing, but it's actually very tough for the players who lose in the quarters or semis and have to play qualifying. Um, and then yeah, Marx made like a Facebook post about it or something. I can't remember. I just saw the screen sh- uh, screenshot. Anyhow, yeah, that, perhaps that's why Kepfer didn't play. Uh, Pospisio, I think, was pretty good for the most part. There, was, there were definitely some very shaky moments against Escoffier. Uh, I wasn't sure that this point was going to get uh that I was going to get this point because after this after the semis uh, Mo definitely looked uh, a lot stronger and he was way stronger physically that's for sure. He uh, had to get like 100s MTOs in the final but you know somehow he prevailed. I think the crowd also really helped him uh both against Escoffier and Mo whenever there were like tough moments he was really able to play uh, off them a bit just feel off the energy and and somehow made it and and yeah i, I think as a whole this has been a very good post-bischil season which perhaps th- it doesn't seem like so because of his ranking you know just barely in the top 100 but it's mostly because of the injury that he had like in the uh, I, th- I think in, in like march june then there were there were some health issues um there were some health issues health even issues earlier i think big.
1: Hmm? From March to it was a shoulder injury, if I remember yeah. correctly. March yeah, and,
0: and between August and um and March, he you, he you basically didn't earn any points. So you know, uh, very strong start, very strong finish, uh, forty-five and twenty-two for the year, including thirty-seven and ten indoors, which is pretty excellent. And yeah, this is uh, you know we've talked about it a few times now that pospicious career basically goes reach the top 100, stay there for a bit go down to challengers, win a few and then get back to the top 100 and yeah, it's it, it looks like he's making that push once again
1: Yeah, I mean with how good his results were early on in this season, he will have to, I think uh, have some really nice runs in Australia and at tour level events if, if he can get there uh, to try and keep himself in the top 100 um, but yeah this this is him positioning for that, for that run for sure at 32 years old uh it might be one of his last as for our finalist michael moe it was his 11th challenger final fourth one this season first one outside of the u.s uh those still in north america uh this week he did not drop a single set heading into the final beat Vashero, uh kashnikovsky bageled broom six love seven five be six hertz six two six love he moves up eight spots to number 110 what did you think of moe this week
0: yeah, I think mostly his serving was pretty excellent. I didn't think that Mo was maybe as uh, good indoors as he was in outdoor hard courts in general, but maybe that it's time to sort of revisit that theory. Um He was well. I just thought that you know guys like you know Krasnikovski they can attack him more easily, and you know, for, for it is a bit of a an issue. Uh, but still, you know the way he was serving. Also, the way it's so tough to actually approach the net against him because he's just so athletic, and you know he, he's not going to yeah. slice the ball. He just gets to it and hits that open stance backhand or whatever. Like he, he just you can't really get him off balance, and and that was uh, that that was pretty important in the matches against Espe- Kashtanikovsky and Pospisil. I guess mostly because they actually tried to approach the net. Um, broom, hertz, fashro, maybe not so much. Uh, but yeah, another good run. He was actually fighting for that second spot on the, in the Australian Open wildcard challenge. As we're going to talk about uh, a bit later, he couldn't, couldn't do it even with a title. If if he got the title, he would have been third uh, as he was the runner up. He's actually fourth, I believe. So without any chance, even like if few banks withdraws or something. Uh, but. Definitely a, a very solid week. He's getting very close to the top one hundred and actually taking the trip to Andrea, which is quite interesting. And he's gonna play Hearts again.
1: Yeah, going to Andrea as opposed to uh, Temuco, which is certainly a very interesting yeah. choice for him. Uh, But we'll see how it works. out. Andrea seems a much more stacked event when it comes to indoor hard players and it it has a lower (laughs) point rating. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a bit of a bizarre situation for him to go over to Europe rather than... It's, maybe it's he's really
0: vacationing weird. in Europe after that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's really no other explanation other than stupid scheduling, or maybe he just didn't realize that Temuko was on on hard courts. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember that, but I I said like uh, a story about Philippe Bolivo here earlier this year that he didn't know that Szczecin was on clay, and then someone told him, and he withdrew. So you know, it's possible. Yeah. It, it can actually happen, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's 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 funky, uh, and funky was also uh, heads his run to the semifinals, starting against Fikovic, saving five set points in the first set, which went like twelve ten, I think, in the tiebreak, winning seven five in the third. In a second match against Badi, he has to save a saving match point in the second set. Uh, then he beat Galarno in three sets, won just two games against Mo. But what did
0: you think of Gert's uh, run here? Yeah, he never stood a chance against Mo. And generally his run was filled with very uneven uh, patches of play, let's say. Um, yeah, just just kind of, you know, some someone had to step up in that quarter. He did. Congrats to him. But yeah, he never stood a chance against Mo. And it's hard to see him beating Michael and Andrea as well. Unless mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the jet lag somehow, I mean, he's flying in earlier uh, flying in earlier so i don't know maybe that's a bit of an aspect we'll see
1: yeah uh the other semifinals was escopje who beat Oclepo, oradini and dugas dugas in three uh tie breaks his second challenger semifinal what did you think of him
0: yeah, he, he seemed like um, he would also be so much weaker than Pospisio, but actually wasn't. Um, a lot of slicing from him in that match, like he was really just trying to break uh, Pospisio's rhythm. And it was working. Uh, there, there were definitely some questionable calls in the third set as well. Uh, one on break points, I think, for... F- Five free for Pospisil, special. Uh, that 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 one he was definitely not not um, right about. I mean, Escoffier shouldn't have argued there. But at the point before that, I think, from the stream, it looked like maybe he was. Well, I want. I don't want to say cheated, but you know, we don't know the intentions. Maybe maybe it was just a simple mistake, but. Uh, yeah, that there was some um, some line calling that didn't really go his way. Maybe he actually could have won that match. And that war against Dugas is definitely one to remember. Like that, that was a wild match. I think it was over three hours as well.
1: Yeah, and over in the doubles, we had Pash and Patton once again their eighth challenger title this season. They're now number one in the challenger race overtaking uh, Barrientos and Reyes Varelite yeah, with eight one. with
0: 800 titles you'd think that they should be number one right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean their season has been insane their their rise I, I yeah I, I don't remember ever seeing anything like this it is wild to me uh, in the final they beat Ferry and Hussey who were playing their first tournament together over to Champagne where we had Ben Shelton winning his third Challenger title in three weeks. Uh, how did he do it? Nobody knows. He came back from a bagel against Aleksandar Vukic in the final to win Love 6, 6-3, six, 6-2. Six, As we said, three Challenger titles, three weeks. That's all That's all he's won in his career, uh, is these three titles. He's the youngest one to ever do it, uh, winning three titles in three weeks. On this run, he beat Ozolins, uh, Quinn, and Gunesvaran on straight sets. Came back from a sit down against uh, Kovacevic, um, moves up eleven spots, number ninety seven, breaking the top one hundred. So he secures the Australian Open spot uh, despite getting winning the the wildcard challenge. So that should pass on to Eubanks now. Uh, what did you think of Shelton?
0: Yeah, uh, last time uh, a player won three challengers in three consecutive weeks it was actually not as, not that long ago. It was Talon Sport and Benjamin Bonzi last last year. Uh, but uh he, shelton is the youngest player to ever achieve this feat which is pretty a pretty cool stat uh yeah both against kovacevic you know he lost the opening set i thought he was gonna pull the plug because he was just it seemed like he could only serve and sort of in that match he could only serve like he he blasted 25 aces i think and you know the serve was the massive um massive like the the biggest reason why he prevailed but still he broke Kovacevic three times in the in the next two sets and against the Vukic you know I, I'm not sure if he was ever considering retiring but you know the Australian open wildcard was his already he wouldn't have finished in the top 100, but you know he, he it took him so long to get his legs moving he was down 06 he I, I think there was like a tough game at the beginning of the second set as well. And then he suddenly turned it on and he started playing at this incredible level. I wouldn't even say that Vukic was, maybe wasn't as aggressive as before, but I, I, his level didn't drop that much. It was just Shelton being Ben Shelton again. And yeah, it's insane. Three challenger titles to get to the top 100. I think if we just were talking about it at the beginning of Charlottesville and you told us that, you know, Shelton was going to finish in the top 100, it would, it would have seemed like absolutely improbable because yeah, getting three challenger titles in uh, in three consecutive weeks is extremely tough physically, even if tennis wise, it's, well, depends on the quality of the fields. Here we actually had a lot of good wins over along the way, but also physically, it's such a, such a big effort. And yeah, Shelton was already tired in Knoxville and in Champaign. he was just at some points, barely, barely staying uh, alive there. And he also played doubles at all three events. Thankfully, did not go that far. But I think, I think it's stupid. Like when I saw that he was playing doubles with Kovacevic here, I was like, they made the quarters even. And I was like, okay, then he must be feeling good physically. Apparently not so much, but yeah, anyway, 20, uh, 20 days, 20 matches.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely insane to me that he that he played the double. Yeah, <laughs> all three weeks. Uh, wild, well, especially this week with Kovacevic, you, you, you would think surely, don't do that. Uh, forty and eleven on the season, starting his season in June. Really, because of his college, um, this is just insane. Like, just this half season that he's had, not even full six months. It is, it is wild. Um. As for our finals, we can talk about Vukic, his sixth challenger final, one in five in those finals, uh, third one this season. On his way there, he did not drop a single set, beating McHugh, Kibson, Alvarez, Varona and Eubanks. Uh, I believe he was defending a final, so he only gets yep. two extra points. Uh, so he moves up one spot to number 140. What did you think of Vukic this week?
0: Yeah, just like last year, he caught some fire at the end of the year. Uh, In 2022, he was able to carry that momentum to Australia. Maybe he does it again. Uh, But yeah, very nice to see. And I think uh, I remember sort of shitting on his level in Calgary. And that wasn't really the case this week anymore. I think especially the performance against Eubanks, especially the way he played for like a set and a half against Shelton. That was the Alexander Vukic that we know and love from previous years. And as he said, he was defending the final, uh, the, the runner up points here. Uh, he played college for the university of illinois so obviously he knows these courts extremely well there was even a the the, you know a slight chance if kovacevic beat shelton that we were gonna get a final between two uh alexanders who both went to the same university so that would have been pretty fun i'm not sure if they actually were teammates like it's possible that they missed out right just based on their on their ages
1: age-wise unless voltage like, is younger I'm thinking it's, but... it's
0: like one season at best I think if if they were I'm not sure if they were
1: yeah probably not um uh, as for our semi-finalists we had Chris Eubanks beating Walton Sangren and Zhu getting that second spot in the Australian Open wild card um he gets in thing, <laughs> thanks to Ben Shelton I I saw a tweet that he sent him saying that he, like, yeah. he'll pay for dinner in, in Melbourne, uh, but what did you think of Eubanks this week?
0: Um, no, from what I can see, actually, Vukic and Kovacevic were probably teammates for two years because I think, oh. yeah, yeah, Kovacevic used that extra year of eligibility and he was actually out, like he started college in 2016-17, the 2016-17 season and Vukic finished it in 17-18. So it looks like they were teammates for two, two seasons, not one. Uh, I thought they were for one, probably. Okay. Anyway. Um yeah, Eubanks, uh, up until the semis, you know, we we lived the dream. <laughs> we lived the dream that possibly they were going to face for this first time in three weeks. Uh, it didn't happen. Uh, I don't think he did much wrong in that Vukic uh, semi, it other than the double fault at 7-7 in the tiebreak. But obviously, he was very tired as well. But in, in terms of his level in the first three matches, he was just crushing the ball. Generally, I, the, the last three weeks, I think, are... Even maybe you can even take it back to the U.S. Open. This is the best we've seen Chris Eubanks play. There, there's a lot of net play involved, which wasn't always the case, and it, it's really helping him as well. Uh Some backhands, even like he's he's taking some incredible rockets down the line, and uh, and it actually it's actually clicking. Uh, and the not match against Sungren was of course very important because that was the one that's well, almost decided the second place in the uh, Austrian Open wildcard challenge, which ended up being key as Shelton won the title and will get direct entry. Uh, If he lost that, then it would probably be Sandgren playing the Austrian Open. Uh, Well, Eubanks still needed uh, the win against Zhu in the quarterfinals uh, to secure it, but I'm assuming that Sandgren would have beaten Zhu as well. So yeah, that was the the key match for Eubanks for sure. And of course he was rooting for Shelton in the final there. And by the way, there could have been like a very interesting, uh, super unique situation where if Eubanks and Shelton actually faced off, then winning that final would not guarantee Eubanks being in the, uh, in, uh, you know, in the Australian Open main draw spot, but losing would well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that is insane. <laughs> is,
0: is there a way like they would have done something about it? I don't know. I think Eubanks was holding up a little better physically, but obviously his matchup against Shelton is pretty terrible with the with the lefty serve at the one-hander. So I don't know. Uh, I wonder how this would have looked, but Alexander Vukic spared us the. <laughs> the trouble, the dilemma for the guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 is actually very interesting because of you know obviously these wildcard uh, playoffs that they do or or the wildcard challenges. They're sort of outside of the of the regular you know regular tennis. It's it's a very mm-hmm. um, exclusive competition that, that they're within pretty much. So it'll be very interesting to see what Eubanks would do in that, that in that situation because just the walkover in the final guarantees him. Uh, you know the sixty thousand. Yeah, I don't 000. think but they would
0: have walked over. But I, I, I would assume that there won't be a chance that you know Ubank's goes out. And if it's not going right, he sort of like half tanks it. Like that's probably possible. They're also good friends with Ben, so I, I don't know. It, it would, it's a, be weird, yeah. yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of a shame we didn't see it just for the chaos.
1: Yeah, our right. other semi finalist uh, was Kovacevic, who beat Ianni seven five seven five. Came back from a sit down against Escobedo, uh, beat Steve Johnson in straight sets as well to reach his fifth semi final of the season. Uh, one of them was an AT one. And Seoul. what did you think? Of, what, what did you think of Kovacevic this week?
0: Yeah, it felt like this is another good chance for him to to win a challenger after missing six match points in that uh, you know clash against Ibn in in Indianapolis. Uh, but as I said before, I think Shelton's serving was just too insane in in the semi-final in Champagne. Just like with, uh, with Eubanks, I think um, whoever has a one-hander, he's going to struggle against Ben Shelton's serve. And that's, uh, yeah, especially with that 25 aces, I think the ace rate was like 28%. So he was like almost hitting one ace per three points. Uh, Up until I I think up until the last game in that match, Shelton was actually hitting 33% aces on his service points. So yeah, that was just how Kovacevic was unable to get him, even though he played some very good stuff this week.
1: Over in the doubles, we had Galloway and Hachver Dugo uh, win the title. Very interestingly, they won the challenger title in the first tournament that they ever played together in Ann Arbor in 2020. And they've played uh, they played 15 tournaments after that, no title, and they got one here. Uh, so, obviously, they haven't been uh, playing together at all last season and just uh, the fifth tournament together this season. But I thought that was pretty interesting, the sort of bookend that they have. They beat Clark and Perez in the final for whom it was the second final of the season. We can go over to Sao Poldo, where I got a very important point in the competition with Juan Pablo Varias beating Facundo Bagni's 7-6, 4-6, 6-4 for his fifth challenge title. First one this season. Turns out all he needed was to be, you know, more or less even or an outsider in the final to, to go and win it. Uh, throughout the week, he played Ribeiro in three sets, uh, beat Lama in straight sets, Duta da Silva in three tie breaks, Seybosh Vild in straight sets. So it was very up and down throughout the week for him. Moves up 12 spots, number 107. What did you think of Arias this week?
0: Yeah, of course. I'm no psychologist and I have never even talked to Juan Pablo Varias. I think I watched him live in Braunschweig, but he retired or something. But I would totally agree with what you said and looking like just watching Varias closely on the court. In the past couple of months, I'm yeah. This this very much fits what he's been doing, like in terms of mental strength, because uh we had that semi against Korea a couple of weeks back, where whenever he was behind in the score, he was just playing great tennis, and whenever he had the chance to win, he would totally just you know get tight. And I I, I think what she said that yeah, when he played Jan Borchinski, he just had so much pressure on himself. He expected himself to win, and here he got a rival whom he considered he's equal and just you know it, it, he didn't avoid a small choke at the end he still didn't serve it out had to break then uh, there were definitely some weaker moments but it was still night and day it was gutsy aggressive tennis compared to the crap he played against Krojinski and job because th- these were really like probably one of his worst performances all year uh but throughout the week he was actually very close to uh, going out against Dutra da Silva which seems to be a tricky matchup for him for whatever reason Dutra da Silva had big leads in both sets that he lost so uh, that was pretty yeah that that was pretty rough for Verillas but still he managed to prevail and as you said this was very important for a competition because I had Bagnis so um, if uh, right right now I'm leading by two points and if Bagnis won I would have been leading by three points or even, wait,
1: four. Yeah, right? yeah, because it was points. direct one. So, so so I got a point, and you yeah. didn't
0: get a point. So Otherwise, I would it would have been free zero this week, and right now I'm two one. Yeah, so I would have been yeah. up by four points with just six events to go. Which you know basically there would be no chance. Right now I'm only up by two. So you know six events to go. There's still some. Uh, you know, yeah, it still it have to win. Feels very unlikely. We'll see how yeah, it goes. You know, a draw a draw is not unlikely. A win is sort of unlikely at this point. That's true.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, let's talk about Facundo Bagnis. Who was your pick? His 29th challenger final, third one this season. Uh, he had more of a tidier road, I think, to the final than Varias, beating Boscardin Diaz. Heide uh, uh, Fonseca uh, came back from a set Mel against Malgini Alves. He gets to move up 10 spots to number 93 in the rankings. What did you think of Bagnis this week?
0: Yeah, he beat four Brazilians, and if Sabo wield won his semi, then he actually could have had the chance to beat five Brazilians in a row. But there were a lot of Brazilians in the draw this week in Sao Paulo. Yeah. Of course, it's in Brazil. Uh, yeah, I think Bagnis just had a very solid run. Uh, nothing really exceptional, but also just beating all the inconsistent brazilian guys because it's sort of it, it was sort of like that and yeah then just came up short in the final that was of course an absolute blockbuster when it comes to south american clay tennis so can't really be too angry about not getting a point there but yeah as we as we're saying we i know this probably would have like totally ended the competition if you want but well at least there's some emotions right there's still tension
1: yeah uh, yeah, let's talk about our semifinalists, starting with Melijani Alves. He came back from a set down against Juan Bautista Torres, two and six, one in the third, also beat Alvarez and Buruchaga. His fourth challenger semi semifinal, but only the first one since July in Yashi. What did you think of Melijani Alves and his sort of return to form?
0: Yeah, uh yeah, <laughs> I guess we can call it a return of a return to farm. Yeah, there there was that losing streak that he had, but I think a couple of weeks back we also talked about like him just drawing terribly there. Uh he definitely had some bright moments this year, of course the the Yassi final, uh which he which he won a lot of semis quarters and he seems to be able to just reach them pretty effectively and uh, yeah, he was certainly able to do that this week. Although I believe he was 3-6, 2-5 down against Torres, so it was not it was not clean. Uh, and uh, he was he actually took a set of baggies, and I think he was uh, had some physical issues as well. Took MTOS in the in the second and in the third, so maybe he would have kept that closer. And by the way, I you know totally random random question. Um, just had this thought when I was watching him this week to, to ask you about it. Will Felipe Meligani Rodriguez Alves ever reach the top 100? Yes or no?
1: I would have to say no. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's quite unlikely. Um, I feel like the competition that he plays the most is these sort of South American challengers or European clay challengers. Um, when when you look at where he has success, like, like like the Yassi run, uh it was mostly easy. Like 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 the first three runs were quite easy. Then he beat Derian and Andujar, which is more impressive. But I feel like with the competition that he sort of has to face uh, week in week out, I would find it quite unlikely for him to to break the top 100. What do you think?
0: I mean, I don't know. He's 24. It's not yeah. impossible. Game-wise, I think it it makes sense. He's probably a little better on altitude even than on normal clay. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. It's not super likely, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he like, grabs a few challenger wins in a season and then does it. Um, I guess next year we'll we'll see how, you know, the whole landscape of the challenger tour changes with the increased points on on most of the events. Because right now we we know we sort of have some standards. Like we know that if someone wins like three challengers and just has solid results, otherwise he's probably like close to breaking the top one hundred. And maybe next year it's just gonna look completely different. I don't know. So um I don't know I'm like a 50 50 I think just based on the fact that he's still very young and seems to be able to just stay in that top 200 range pretty easy, easy. maybe not easily he, he definitely fell out of the top 200 in in recent years but he just seems like he is probably going to stay in the top 200 for a long, long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't actually realize how how young he was that he's only 24. So he will have a lot of opportunities at this. Um, but it just feels at the moment it's it feels a bit unlikely. But who's who knows, you know, two, three years down the line what it's going to look like. Our other semifinalist was Thiago Seboschwild, uh, making his first semifinal for the first time, uh, well, making his first semifinal since <laughs> November 20th. Uh, So more than 12 months for him on his run this week. He got a late retirement from Agamemnon when he was 5-1 up. Uh, Beat Nick Hart very well, 6-1, 6-2. Also Reista Silva in straight sets. Uh, didn't show that much against Varias, but what did you think of Sabo Schielt on his run this week?
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of tweets that you know Thiago Sabo is back. I don't know if he's back. I mean, I take I, I...
1: advantage of a nice section. I think is is more. That's yeah. one
0: thing for sure. Uh, still, you know, giving just three games to Hearts, Reis da Silva, uh, maybe he hasn't shown that much out of altitude yet, but. You know, he's not a bad player. On uh, definitely high in confidence right now. Yeah, I, I wish he showed more against Ferias. Uh, and just looking even at the odds, I mean the the, the bookies definitely trusted in Thiago de Saibovil in that semifinal. They trusted his back. I don't know. I, I would like to see him back, but uh, I think maybe we covered it uh, like a couple of uh, weeks ago that um when he was when he was so huge. Uh, when he won that ATP 250, that forehand was just such a weapon. And right now, you don't really see it. And I, I think that's probably a, a very like he needs to get that back in order to to have some sort of success. Uh, but you know, a semifinal is certainly huge for him. I doubt he had one. Yeah, quarterfinal in Buenos Aires only earlier this yeah. year.
1: Yeah, I was just sort of thinking like I think of him in a similar. Well, it's probably not completely fair. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I I think of them in a, in a similar way to maybe Sandgren as as you know being out of the complete gutter uh where they have where they have found themselves game wise in the last couple of years, uh, but still quite a, like quite far off from their from their very best game. Uh but obviously they're in very different positions in their career. Sable has you know a lot more time to to put something together, break the top 100 maybe one day compared to Sandgren uh, and how old he is. Anyway, we should mention Joao Fonseca, who made the quarterfinals here, just 16 years old. Uh, he beat Tirante, six four seven six, 4 uh, defeated Navone in a great battle, saving two match points to an 11-9, I believe, in the third set tiebreak, only his fourth pro event in his career, Uh, This time last year, well, a a couple of weeks later last year, he got double biggled by Pereira in Rio de Janeiro, which that was, I completely forgot about that. Uh, But yeah, what are your thoughts on Fonseca and his potential, you know, ceiling? Where do you think he can go?
0: Yeah, I also checked where he uh, where he you was, know, what he did in two thousand twenty one during the week, and I laughed so hard at that Fonseca uh, at that Pereira zero six zero six loss because I I remember I mean I I don't remember it because we definitely didn't like even pay any attention to it right I mean Pereira <laughs> comes and just Pereira is of course from Brazil as well but I mean Pereira just destroys some local player some local wildcard and you know. Uh, Fonseca is then in October next next year he plays another professional match and we're already looking at him as sort of a, a prospect because of where he is like in the juniors rankings he's actually the second highest ranked uh, under 16 player according to UTR only behind Martin Landalusa and actually he's closer to Landalusa than he is to the third place in the rankings I think third place is uh, Schwarzler or whatever the guy's name is the, the Austrian whom we also had in some qualifying. Uh so I maybe he played Zepieri, I, I can't remember. Uh anyway, uh yeah, Fonseca was extremely impressive and that's that's an understatement. I remember watching his match in Rio de Janeiro against Paul uh didn't really see what what you know what the all of the fast was about but here i mean the the, the super heavy forehand uh, a pretty good serve for his age as well the way he was able to handle stuff mentally most of the time of course against navona there was that crazy finish where he i think he converted his seventh match point but you know still he was able to get over it save two of himself although one well save one because one was enough on a double fault and definitely gave a good showing against Bagnis as well this is so impressive and he looks like a real prospect like an actual real uh talent who will uh probably do a lot in this sport uh <laughs> i'm not sure of course at this stage it's super hard to tell like whether you know it's a top 10 kind of talent or like a top 30. It's differentiating guys like that from guys who, I don't know, will just sort of bounce into the top 100 for a moment is usually very tough, but yeah, super excited to see what he's going to do in 2017 and very possible that the juniors is probably going to be a little too too weak for him soon.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely excited to to watch him going forward. We'll see how much we get to see of him next season uh, because he is still so incredibly young. Um, but, you know, ranking wise now in the top 850. So that positions him.
0: I think he's uh, the youngest uh, top 1000 player, by the way,
1: should be. Yeah, because
0: uh, he's he edged out uh, De brewer, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, and then over in the doubles, um, we had Andreozzi and Durand lift their sixth title of the season, this time beating Meljini Alves and Reis da Silva. We can go over to Kobe, uh, where Yosuke Watanuki won, beating Frederico Ferreira Silva 6 7 7 5 6 4, for Watanuki his second challenger title. Both of those titles came in Kobe. He also made five finals total. Three of those had been in Kobe in 2018, 2019, and now 2022. On his run this week, uh, he beat Yoon Seong Chang, Shima Bukuro, and O'Connell uh, in all in straight sets before meeting Ferreira Silva in the in, in the final. He moves up 23 spots, number 173. What did you think of Watanuki this week?
0: Yeah, I don't regret not picking Riedi, of course. I don't regret not picking Varias. I you know, it's fine. But I do regret not going with my gut there and picking Vatanuki because I remember he was my second option after O'Connell. But it just seemed like, you know, O'Connell as the top seed. He's so much better than the rest of the field. You gotta go for it. But We did not expect how, you know, the Kobe impact was going to be so huge. And O'Connell was actually struggling from the very beginning in this draw. He, He liked, you know, saving match points and all. And Watanuki was just... Going at it. As you said, 60% of his challenger finals are, uh, are in Kobe, which is crazy. Absolutely, absolutely insane. Uh, two of them, both challenger titles. And yeah, it makes sense. I would love to see him against like, maybe more quality opposition at this venue. But yeah, then again, he beat O'Connell. So what, what are we even talking about? Uh, and d- these scores definitely suit him well. Like the Watanuki just comes out and tries to finish every point as, as early as possible. Of course, takes the ball very early and this is rewarded here. And it's uh, it's clear that he he is actually he uh, here. He's actually like a top 100 guy, maybe even. And yeah, on other cards, it usually isn't like that. Although he had that Yokohama final uh just a couple of weeks ago definitely a very good stretch for him takes him into australian open qualifying of course i think he was like on the verge before this week um yeah would love to see him more in kobe but fortunately we only get to watch him there once a year in 2020 and 2021 we even didn't uh but still this was this was very fun and yeah just that kobe specialist vatanuki is a great storyline
1: yeah, and I mean, listen, if, if Kobe was like 4 for example, this guy would be 4 it would be unstoppable. Um, <laughs> let's move over to Ferreira Silva, uh, for whom it was a second challenger final after Sao Paulo 2020. On his run this week, he beat Namhong Lee and Eniki Hijikata in straight sets, defeating then Hazawa 7-6 in the third, Set 6-3 in the third in the rankings uh he has gone up 47 spots to number 244. what did you think of Ferreira silva this week
0: yeah rafier uh fell a lot in the rankings fighting for austrian open Qualies right now Uh, but definitely a quality player when he's when he's at his best uh i think also one of the guys who really should have a challenger title under their name um of course it's it's a little Like he's only made two finals, so maybe it's not anything extreme yet. Uh, But I think there's been many like quarterfinals, semifinal runs that he wasn't able to convert. Especially this year, it feels like he was in the quarterfinals of a lot of events and then lost there. Uh, But yeah, that gave Watanuki a, a run for his money in the final, that's for sure. Uh, although it, what made the difference was that the Japanese wasn't really struggling to hold serve at all in the set, in sets two and three. Uh, I think there was never like even a deuce on, on, on his surface games. So, uh, but yeah, Safari Asidva also saved too much points against Hazawa in the quarterfinals. So um uh, that was yes yeah, so he saved himself there and managed to reach another challenger final which can be huge especially if he goes you know at least to the quarters in Yokaichi or like the semis he can he can still play Australian open qualifying yeah
1: yeah we can talk about our semi starting with o'connell who was both of our pick as you said he had to save match points right from the beginning against colin sinclair he saved three match points in a three tiebreak battle uh, then he beat David Zhukaev, also dropping a set to him. Uh, beat Paul Mans in two tight sets, seven five seven six. 5 uh, Reached the sixth semifinal of the season. What did you think of O'Connell this week?
0: Yeah, I think he was just never that comfortable on these cards. We, uh, at least me and I think you as well, I, I we didn't think that was going to be such an impact that he's lead in terms of the quality, the rankings over the rest of the field was going to be enough. But as you said, match points against Sinclair uh, had a tough, uh, tough time against Pullman's as well. And, and yeah, Watanuki, (laughs) uh, I guess it makes sense, you know, in Yokohama, Watanuki had this one set where he was just peaking and, you know, took a set of him, just couldn't, wasn't able to redline for as long a time as, as, as he needed in Yokohama and here on faster courts under the roof. He, he managed to do that.
1: Yeah, our, our other semifinals was Nino Seddarusic, who beat Yonel, Jumhur and Milman. Uh, Milman, why did I say it so weird? Milman, uh, to reach a second semifinal in three weeks. Uh, yeah, Seddarusic seems to be hitting some forward. Now, what did you think of him this week?
0: Yeah, the mailman, the milkman. Uh, I think people call him like that sometimes. There's a lot of uh, funny funny ways to say it. Anyhow, Serdarusic, yeah, we talked about him in in Yokohama, where he lost to Watanuki, by the way, that he still doesn't have a challenger title, of course, and he also doesn't have any finals at any level outside of clay, which is kind of shocking. And yeah, he missed another good chance here. Um, I'm not sure if he had uh, that good a chance against Watanuki in the final, Probably not not really better than Ferreira Silva, but still kind of disappointing for him, especially as he's also fighting for Australian Open qualities. Like, I'm not sure how how far off he is right now, but he he will also need a good run in Yokaichi, just like Ferreira Silva. And he's starting with uh, Ionel again in the opening round.
1: Over in the doubles, we had Hazawa and Shimizu. Uh, winning the title. They won an ITF earlier this season. So this time it was a challenger title for them. And they beat Harris and Smith, uh, who reached back to back finals after winning the title last week.
0: Sandarusic so is 13, 13 spots over Ferreira Silva right now. So he is a bit at, at 231. So his uh, situation is a little better. But, you know, it would still definitely help him if he got some more points in Yokaichi.
1: Over to the match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start?
0: Um, Let's start maybe with the upset of the week. I'm going to choose Fonseca over Tirante. I think it has to be a Fonseca match. Uh, I am choosing the one against Tirante because it was first. And like after he beat Tirante, I was pretty certain that he can actually trouble Navone. Uh, I think for the bookies, along with these two, it was also Hazawa over Duckworth, which was shocking too, don't get me wrong, but Yeah, Japan, I was only able to watch a few matches as usual. Uh, The time zone is just a little too tough when you still have to like lead a normal life. And I guess even not only if you want to lead a normal life, but you know, you have to sleep at some point. Challenger tennis is like 24 seven almost again. So yeah, so I can't really choose Hazawa over Duckworth uh, and I'm going with Fonseca over Tirante.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are very, very strong arguments, but I have to go with with the pure impact on my psyche, I have to go with Ryedi over Mahaj because that one just cleared me out the manner of the loss. Uh really just unfortunate. Um over in the match of the week, uh, I yeah, who wh- 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 would you like to go with? Match of the week.
0: I'm gonna go with Fonseca as well, and I'm gonna go with Fonseca over Navona. Crazy finish. Uh, enjoyed watching it. Of course, was waiting with like a tweet on the on the youngster, and you know they they just kept going. I didn't know what to do. Whether I should rewrite it or you know. Uh, yeah, it was it was just wild, and uh, it was one of these matches where after uh, after finishing it, I was just unable to gather my thoughts for the next half an hour. Like it was just so draining emotionally, and yeah, that, that's good fun when that happens.
1: I will go with Varias over Bagnis, uh just because of the impact that it had on on our picks competition. Uh, I thought you were gonna
0: say uh, that impact on your psyche again.
1: <laughs> yeah, because of the positive impact of my psyche. Yeah. Uh, with what he has in the title, he won six straight points in that first set tiebreak, which I thought was key. Of course, a little bit of drama in the end. He, he has two match points, doesn't serve it out, and has to break to win the match. Uh, so really a, a great one. And we can go over to the previews. We have four events next week. Um as it currently stands, you are you are by two 23 to 21. Uh, let's start in Temuco, which is the challenger 100 that we have this week. Where our top seed will be Facundo Bagnis facing a qualifier and then Juan Bautizatores Torres or another qualifier. In his section, there's also Reyes Da Silva, Kiker, Alvarez. We had a withdrawal of Varias, uh, so in the second section, Rodríguez Taverna is the highest seed facing Benjamin Locke. He will then play Buruchaga or Mejia. And Nick Hart got promoted to a seed as a result of the uh, Varias withdrawal. Uh, he will face Bruna in the first round, could play Navona in the second round. Third section, we have Fikovic here playing Klamotista Otegi. Uh, also in the section, we have Tirante, Dutra da Silva, De Camps, and Leite. Facundo Mena is the sixth seed. And in the final section, Emilio Gomez is here playing Juan Pablo Paz. Could then face Villanueva. Also Olivo and Dominguez in the section. Over in the qualifying, uh, we have some interesting names like alafia Ayani, for example. is a very intri- intriguing one for sure. We also have Courtney Locke facing Zucas. Guido Andreozzi is playing Mateo Dalves. Um, But yeah, it's sort of a, a run-of-the-mill South American um, qualifying draw that you see. In the doubles we have Andreozzi Durán. They've obviously been on fire this season. Also, the, the Locke brothers are there. Uh, Arias Ceballos. Luis David Martinez actually plays with Nedunchejian this week, which is pretty interesting. Uh, but back to the singles,
0: who are you going to go for? Yeah, and this event is, of course, on hardcore. Which you know, looking at yeah. the draw, looking at the field, you wouldn't be able. To You'd count. never have it. Yeah, but we had we had a, uh, an event like that in last year in Rio de Janeiro as well, and there it actually showed like that hardcourters were the play were the best players that week. De Camps was in the semis, his first semi. Um, I mean, De Camps can play on both on clay and hard, but you know, players who can play on hard course, the same for and goes for Alvarez Varona and Uchida who are in the final. So I think this year is also going to be the key probably. Uh, Kiker was also in the semis. I think he's probably a little better than most clay courters on hard simply. Bagnis is also quite decent. I have a have a low key prediction that Alafia Ayani will go deep in this event, but that's obviously very draw dependent. Um, because I think if he draws maybe Bagnis or Mena, it could be tough for him, but the rest. Of the spots like he'd probably be the favorite against most of the guys just because he can play on hard courts. and I love the decision for I need to go here. So many players screwed up because if you play Drummondville or Champagne and you're going to Andrea really. It's like two time zones compared to six or something like that. And yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's just stupid. I'm not sure. Maybe again, maybe they didn't realize how weak the field was going to be. I don't know. But anyhow, um, who can I really be?
1: I have to assume that it must be very difficult to get to from uh, Drummondville or, or Champaign to get to Chile. And I feel like that's the only possible explanation in my mind. To well.
0: that much tougher than to Andrea. I
1: don't know. I, I, don't know. Uh, I mean, I've, I've never lived in South America. I don't know how well connected it is. Obviously, Europe is pretty well connected to to North America in terms of flights.
0: Yes, yeah, that's true. It's,
1: it's 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 very weird overall. Still, mm-hmm. they, I mean, I any got to got there somehow, so I didn't mow or.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ieni uh, any I was uh, you know he finished his run in wherever he was, Drummond, or Champagne, pretty early. So they, you know, he had a few days on them. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that's actually an option. Uh, that, uh, that's actually an issue, but I think more players should have been here anyway. Anyhow, um, I think I'm basically just going back and forth between Mena Gomez and Fikovic. I think Mena and Fikovic are probably way better than most of the players. That's, you know, only play clay. Fikovic, is even choosing like North American hardcore events instead of clay challengers in, in South America. But I think I have to go with Gomez. Like I, I just, even if he was very unimpressive in uh, Canada now, losing to Mayo, losing to Dugas, winning just one match, he's just so much better than anyone here when it comes to hardcourts. And if he doesn't win it, it's going to be really like his fault. This is his events to lose. And I'm choosing Emilio Gomez.
1: Yeah, I mean, you put me in a tough position. Obviously, I'm trying to make up points here. Uh, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, too. if
0: you pick the same as me, you basically have to be like extremely certain that this is the right call.
1: Yeah, and 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 I feel I'm very much th- close to feeling that way. about. Yeah,
0: I, I understand <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs>
1: it feels like an overwhelming favorite. But I will go with... Nick Hart, sure. I, I hope that you can take advantage of, of the situation. Um, obviously, he looked quite rough last week. But uh, as as we said, you know, the, the hard quarters show up on, on Hart and, you know, Nick Hart.
0: Uh, he even has Hart sure in his out. name, right?
1: Yeah, he literally has it in his name. Um, <laughs> we can go uh, over to Valencia. Which is a challenger 90 outdoor, I believe, in Spain. Which yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how that works, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the top seed is Benabeze Pata He faces Sanchez Izquierdo, could play Daniel Merida in the second round or Milojevic. Also, Timofey Skatov is in this section playing Adrian Andreev and could face Pedro Souza. Nino Borges is in the second section playing Kimer Kopayans. Could face Pellegrino in the second round. Also, that Deri is in the section and will face Bonadio Orkrutich in the second round. Uh, third section Dusan Lajovic faces off with Milan Zekic, uh, could then play Alvarez Varona in the second round. Jeffrey Blancano plays Carlos Lopez Montagut and could face Daniel Michalski in the second round. Final section Carvajal Baena is here playing Brancaccio, could play Vanash in the second round. Tabedner faces off with Valasori. Uh, over in the qualifying, we have some interesting names like Caruso. Uh Genesi is in qualifying as well, Gachov or Chepeliev, one of them will make it through in the doubles. Um, we have Borges and Cabral as the top seeds, one of the strongest teams uh last season on the Challenger Tour. Have also have also had some nice success this season. Uh Bortotti and Martos Gornes are here. Uh the Sabanov brothers also teaming up. Uh the story is playing with Pellegrino, which is pretty interesting. Um Matushevsky teaming up with Zvonimir Babic. But going back to the singles, who do you think will win this title?
0: Yeah. This is for sure a much better draw than Muko. It should be played at a much higher level too, given you know the amount of clay versus clay matches on hard courts in Chile. Anyhow, um, from the qualies, I'm not sure anyone is really capable of winning such a quality event. Of course, guys like Gakov, Moroni could go far, but uh, especially Moroni hasn't really had a good year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't think Daniel Michalski is winning it, but it would definitely help his Australian Open qualifying chances. He, he really needs a big, uh, a big finish to the season in Spain. He's playing both Valencia and Maspalomas. Um, but yeah, I'm not, uh, not exactly too sure about his form given who he was losing to in ITFs recently, like won three games against Alexander Weiss and won, won four games against Tomescu, like pretty crazy losses, even though he's still making like quarter semis every week. Um. Yeah, who do I want to pick here? There's some guys who are just, like, I, I didn't expect them to be here and I kind of have to wonder what's their motivation level going to be, like Zapata Mirales, for example. Like, what are you doing here? Just go, I don't know, go vacation somewhere. I think he still thinks he's a challenger player or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just insane to me that he's playing this, I think. And Carbais Baena as well. I don't want to pick Carbaez Baena because he's playing Brancaccio. That, that's, that's dangerous. Brancaccio seems to be in good form, even though he will have to, you know, go from hard courts, in, uh, indoor hard courts in Hatsinki to this one. Uh, Taberner, not really an option. Lajovic is a good option, I think. Borges Kopejans don't want to go there. Andreev Skatov definitely don't want to go there. Yeah, I think it needs to be Zapata Mirage for me. Um, yeah, not sure really if this is the right call for him to play this. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been on the court since Paris. Like, I don't think it really makes much, of, much sense to appear here for just one event. Maybe he's from Valencia or something. I don't know. <laughs> But but yeah, I I I don't know what his motivation level is going is going to be. But I'm gonna pick Zapata Mirales. That that seems like the most sensible option for me.
1: Yeah, it it is quite sensible. As as you said, I have to echo that sentiment. Why are these guys here? I don't really know. Um, when I look and at yeah, like, Zapata Bez... Miralles
0: is from Valencia, by the way. So I guess that explains it.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's probably Bena Hasn't played in over a month, uh, since. Since Naples, but I think I will go actually with Baina. This feels like his type of event. Obviously, Brancaccio first round will be tough. Uh, his whole section could be tough, uh, but it just sort of feels like one of these events where Carvajal has to sort of reach the semis or the final, uh, and that's just what he does.
0: Didn't so, we have a Zapata Miralles Carvajal final final in Sevilla? Yeah,
1: in, yeah, yeah in, and it in was September.
0: it was. Um uh Also, like they, they were also the, the top two seeds, right? No, yeah, they, I mean, no, actually, no. Martinez was the first seed, but they were they oh. were seed three and two. And I think there you had carbaez No, uh, I think I had Zapata Do you had carbaez baena I don't know. Uh, I think we swapped peaks now, but yeah, it's it's like the same event. It's just that it's played two months later, and yeah, we're gonna see if these guys deliver.
1: Yeah, though, we, we actually have the same picks. I had Karbáez Bajna, you had Zapata in Sevilla.
0: And... Oh, okay. So, okay, so you got a point there, okay.
1: Yes, yeah. We can go over to Andrea, uh, where the top seed is Maton Fuchovic, um, who withdrew from Helsinki after winning Bratislava, but is here. He will face a qualifier, and then Ryan Peniston or Jay Clark. In his section, he has Elias Imer and Stefano Travaglia, who's here with a wild card. Also, two more qualifying spots. Michael Moe uh, flies over from, from Drummondville, will face Michael, uh, Michael Herz once again. play Kukushkin or Arnabaldi in the second round. Uh, Andrea Arnabaldi, that is because we also have Federico Arnabaldi with a wild card in this section, playing Rodionov. Uh, third section, Tomasz Machac plays Flavio Coboli and then Mattia Bellucci or Dali Borstrocina. Giela is in this section, facing Batucin, could then play Lazarev or Sachko. Uh, the fourth uh, section is very exciting. Gaston, the second seed, playing Riedi, could then face Kasper Żuk or Robin Hase. Vukic is also here. Over from America, facing a qualifier, and then Zizu Bergz or Gianmarco Ferrari. In the qualifying, we have some interesting names in Artur Fils, who beat Mirko Martinez, 6-6-1. Six um, we also have Andrew Paulson, Ilya Marchenko is here playing Colignon. Uh, so, whoever comes out of that could be interesting. Kachmazov is also here. Uh, Stuart Parker as well beat Debru in qualifying. Um, over in the doubles, Cash and Patton uh, have traveled over from the US. Uh, they will actually start against an alternate, which is interesting for them. Fallard and Yebens are also here. Kubot and Valkov playing as well are now Weisborn, uh, Haas, and Verbeek uh, So a couple of interesting teams, but back to the singles, who do you want to go with for the title?
0: You know, Arthur Fields is in the qualifying.
1: Yeah. Is
0: that an option? I don't know. Uh, I don't trust him against Squire. I think Andrea used to be, because Andrea is coming back for the first time since 2018, I think. I think it used to be very fast. I didn't watch any any qualies matches today. So uh I don't I'm not sure if I really trust him against Squire. So I'm not gonna pick him. Pucovic is definitely an option. Uh, then again, you know, he, he almost has this um some, you know, Australian Open draw spot top one hundred finish secured. Very fast courts. I don't know. Um, he kind of does does well in all on all surfaces though. Zizu Bergs, I, I'm certainly thinking about. He was I think doing pretty well in Helsinki. I remember saying in the um uh, you know in the show last week that I thought he was gonna defeat Van Reitoven, definitely did, and he seems to be getting back into, into some form. Uh Zhuk Hassa is a rematch for Kozerki, where Zhuk lost. I hope this time he gets it because, well, as I said, Michalski has two events to get to Australian Open qualifying. Zhuk just has this one in Andria, so he needs a big result here. Uh Riedi Gaston, I don't want to get into this. Definitely not. Uh I also don't want to pick Mahac. Uh yeah, he mentally he hasn't looked that strong and he can play Mattia Balucci in the second round, which sounds uh, weird. Rodionov is an option, even more honestly, in that section that he has, but maybe the jet like kills him. I don't know. Do I want to pick Rodionov or Fuchovic is basically what I'm thinking right now. Let's go Rodionov. Let's go a bit weirder. I don't know. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, we, we've seen Rodionov just put in consistently strong results in the past couple of months and one of them can get him far here.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I was sort of presuming that you were going to go with one of the big boys. So I was actually looking at Rodionov as my pick here as you were speaking, but I will now uh, change to a different one. Rodionov, yeah, it depends on where he is with the foot, because obviously he retired two weeks ago in Bratislava.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm
1: really, I'm really glad you Have luck. That. I mean, yeah, let, let's,
0: let's stick with Rodionov
1: um so yeah I think I will actually go with Martin Fuchovic because yeah he he doesn't he doesn't need to win this event uh to secure his Australian Open top 100 finish whatever he wants um but I feel like once he's there and he he's at the he's at the semi-final stage why wouldn't he push through and and try and get it um if he brings his back to solid form he should be the best player in the draw
0: yeah, I think given our you know, our standings in the competition, after I picked Rudionov going Fuchovic is definitely the sensible thing for you.
1: Yes, thank you very much. Over to Yo-Kai-Chi, um, where we have Kaichi Uchida as the top seed playing Uh also Shinji Hazawa who reached the same uh, who reached the quarters last week playing Moriya Namhong Lee plays uh, Yasutaka Uchiyama, also Shima Bukuro in the section. Uh, Noguchi plays Yuji Sugita and, and then Ramanathan. Uh, we have Yuxi Yusuf facing Frederico Ferreira Silva, which is a pretty interesting matchup here. Winner could face Shintaro Mochizuki. Third section, Yosuke Batanuki plays Daniel Collage, who's been uh, out of form, to say the least. Could play then Shimitsu or Zhukaev. Dane Sweeney plays Yongseong Chong and then Nakagawa or Sasikumar. Duckworth is here. He's he's also uh, had, a, I think, a couple of weird losses, uh, or or was it just the one against? Um,
0: no, I think there's Hazava. been a couple in Australia as well.
1: Yeah, Mukund as well. Um, so that, the, yeah, so the so Mukund has a uh, he will face a qualifier and then Gianno or another qualifier. Yonel and Sedarusic face off once again. Winner could play Shintaro Imai. Over in the qualifying we have paul Manz is probably the biggest threat but we also have jason jung colin sinclair had match points against um o'connell, O'Connell yeah uh, ducky lee also here yeah a couple of interesting names toshi Dematsu played against james trotter uh lost four and four that's interesting i, I didn't notice that. Uh speaking of Toshidematsu in the doubles, he will play alongside Wesugi and will face the top seats, uh Kate and Ramanathan, right away. Gonzalez and Runkat also in there, uh Yunseong Chong and Taichi Uchida, Cornea and Andrew Harris also playing together. But back to the singles, who do you want for the title?
0: This is the only draw I like really looked at beforehand, and I can't remember who I wanted to pick, But I think there's a lot of options. Uh, I have a slight prediction that Kunez will beat Uchida. Not sure if that would actually be an upset. I mean, probably a slight one. Um, Nam Huang Li maybe was the guy I was thinking of, but Uchiyama. Like, it, it feels very dangerous with Uchiyama being there, right? Like, yeah, that, I'm not sure why I wanted to do that. Um, it seems like Uchiyama <laughs> retired against Shima Bukuro in, uh, in Kobe. So maybe that's why I was thinking about it. and he retired in one five down. Mm. but then Shimabukuro in the second round. It's a good section. I don't know. Noguchi ah, yeah, it, honestly, I think you could go for half the draw here. it, it it's really mm. doesn't make much of a difference. I'm gonna go with yeah, I'm gonna go with James Stackworth. I know he had a couple of weird losses, but he's playing a qualifier, then won another qualifier. That's a good draw to get him going. I'm actually uh, like, where is he, where is he in the rankings right now? 173. Okay, so he's not playing for Australian Open <laughs> at all. Uh, I mean, he if he's playing these events, he should be motivated, right? I mean, I, I'm I, I'm really not sure what to think about these two losses that he had against Mukund and Hazawa, But yeah, I have to go for something and duckworth seems like an option i yeah honestly wouldn't be surprised if you um come if you start you know talking about the draw in the sec in a second and you're gonna say i don't know zhukaev or mochizuki like this is just so wild i have no clue who to pick so i'm gonna go with duckworth
1: yeah duckworth is an interesting one and i will take someone that he could potentially face in the opening round and that is Mark Polmans out of qualifying. Okay. Uh, he's had, you know, nice runs recently. Only lost to O'Connell last week. Went to the final of Sydney the week before. Um, played nice, but played really well in Busan, where he beat Duckworth and Purcell. Um, had to retire there. Yeah, I, I quite like Paulman's in this situation. I think there, there's a, nice, there's a lot of. Obviously, I feel like this draw is very even throughout. I feel like there's, yeah. you know, someone could win it in every section, which is why it's tough to predict. Um, but I still feel like there's nice pockets where he could pop up as a qualifier and and really wreak some havoc upon this draw. So yeah, Mark Polmans for me.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. There's like no front runners here whatsoever. You got yeah, Polmans, Duckworth, Watanuki, Serdarusic, maybe even. Uh, I don't know, Um, yeah, Hsu, Noguchi, Uchiyama, Le, Uchida, Shimabukuro, and you can keep naming them and they're like at the same level, (laughs) more or less. Yeah, anyhow, that's gonna be it for for this week. We will be back, of course, to discuss the events in Yokaiji, Temuko, Andria and um valencia uh the outdoor clay events and there's gonna be one more outdoor clay event in mas palomas uh we're gonna see how this all pans out um we're gonna see how our predictions end up because yeah as we as we said before i'm up by two points but there's six events to go so there's still a chance and yeah, hopefully we're also gonna have some tension ahead of the final week, where there's gonna be just two events in in Mas Palomas and in Maya. Uh, so yeah, see you, see you in a week.
1: Bye.